Good morning, church family. How are all of you today? A little smoky out there, isn't it? Phew. But there's no smoke here. There's just a lot of love, warmth, and the spirit moving among us. Couldn't ask for better. I don't see the children here, but as you know, the children's church is not taking place this morning. But then again, too, next week, starting the 7th, the Sabbath schools will then start their actual classes next Sabbath. So make sure that you're aware of that, your children are aware of that. I think it's going to be exciting. Uh, the program that they've established truly is one that is a very interactive one for children as well as adults and parents. And so that's always a good thing. I do want to welcome those of you who are online and that you are listening to this church this morning. May the Spirit move with you as well. Of course, you do have before you in the pews the connection card and the offering envelope. Uh, the offering we're still doing with the towers, one's in the back of the sanctuary, two are out in the foyer. You can put your money or whatever in the envelope, mark it, drop it in the towers as you leave. You can also drop the connection card as well. If you are a guest with us today, we would love the opportunity to get to know you. But also, too, all of you can contribute by just sharing down your prayer requests or just share a praise of something that the Lord has done for you and your family. It's always good to be able to hear the encouraging words from family on how God has moved. Today's going to be a high day. I know it is. God's been busy this week. Let's just take about 30 seconds to greet those around us and say welcome to God's house this morning. Okay, it's time to find our seats. It's an important part of our church services when we have a chance to talk to our Heavenly Father. And there's no greater joy to be able to converse with Him and seek His counsel and direction. We have been blessed as a church. Amen? Amen. We've had some difficult times, but here as a church we have been blessed. So, Sean, I'm going to call you up. You're going to have prayer, corporate prayer this morning for us. So I put it into your hands, and you lead us in prayer. Okay, if you're able, please kneel for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for bringing us all together here today. Uh, we're so blessed to be able to uh, worship you freely in this country. 
Um, there's been a lot of challenges. We've all faced many struggles, um, but it's so grateful just to be here in fellowship with one another. Um, there's so many people here today who are facing different struggles of different, different sorts. We don't even know everything that's going on, but you absolutely do, and everything's in your control. Pray for each one of those who are battling cancer, um, uh, surgeries, or any other challenges of today. You may have a, a business issues, um, marital issues. There's all kinds of things that we're going through, and I just pray that you, you work in every, every one of these problems. And I pray that if you can resolve them, and we know you can, um, please do so. Uh, if you ask us to work through those and struggle through that, I ask that you bring us, bring us all peace through that, uh, through these storms of life that we're all facing, that you, you bring great peace um, and tranquility um, in, in these impossible situations we all seem to be faced with. And I pray for those, especially in the church, who have been facing COVID and other, any other issues they may be facing. I want to make a special prayer. Uh, something that I struggle with is worry. And um, I pray that we all, as a church, uh, learn to have more faith in you, Lord. Um, you're such an awesome God. And you can, you're powerful enough to uh, battle all things. Uh, fears of our mind, uh, fears of today, fears of anything we may be facing. And, and worry is not really something we need to do because we have you. Thank you so much for all you do in all of our lives, and even through these, uh, through these challenges we all face, uh, we're so grateful to have an awesome God like you who works through all things. Um, just want to show our appreciation to you today, and uh, thank you for, even though we may be going through, through trials, uh, you work through all things. We're supposed to rejoice through these trials, and sometimes uh, I have a lot of trouble uh, rejoicing in trials, but I know that you are good, and you work through all things, and you grow our character, and thank you so much for doing that. May you bless our praise team here today. May you bless the sermon. And uh, thank you so much, Lord, for, for being who you are. And just grateful to be here today. Amen. If you are able, please rise and join us as we continue to worship God this morning. Leave my past behind 
We need to give him a name. I don't know what it should be. Good morning. I've got a confession to make. You're looking at one happy grandpa this morning. I think my kids are too tired. They may not be online. <clears throat> but just a little brief thing just to share with you how the Lord works. My son Joshua, his wife Rachel, their daughter Carly, who live in Michigan, expanded their family this week. And Becky and I got four more grandkids. Woohoo! So that's another sermon altogether, okay? Let's come back to reality. But you know what? God is good. And, and all the time? Amen. I'll tell you, watching that story unfold with my kids just shows you how God works in miraculous ways. In your bulletin, you should see a little card like this. I invite you to pull it out. If you don't have one, don't panic. We're going to kind of redo it here on the platform. This morning, I want us to look at what I call God's equation. I know from my life, I'm 67 years old. Man, that's hard to believe. But I take everything that the Lord has shared with me over all of these years of my life. And it seems to come down that he wants me to understand this equation. This equation touches the heart, the soul of everything we do. And I think that this morning, the Lord's going to speak in a mighty way. And we have something to look forward to it. Because knowing God is what Christianity, religion and life eternal is all about. Amen? Amen? Knowing God. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your presence here with us now. Thank you for your spirit who dwells within each one of us. May we open up, may we experience you in a mighty way. May your spirit move and touch our hearts, touch our minds. Empty me of self. Make me a vessel, Lord, that you can use. And may the words I speak be the words that you want your children to hear today. And in doing so, may the picture of your love, your character, your attributes be visible and true. Because of you, your unconditional love that you have for us, you're longing to have that relationship with us. Be with us now, Father, and touch us. And just draw close to each one. In your loving son's name I pray. Amen. I wish I could stand up here this morning and say the pandemic's over and things are getting better. 
doesn't look that way, does it? It seems to be more difficult when you look at the news, when you read the papers, when you turn on the radio or even the TV. We're not out of the woods yet. And I think the enemy is smiling from corner to corner because of it. I have talked with some of you here this morning, even in our time. I've always said, you know what? I believe that the enemy has been stirring the pot. Well, folks, I've changed. No longer is he stirring the pot. The pot is boiling over. And we are caught in the middle of it. I know for myself, when I get into situations of the storms of life that maybe the Lord allows me to go through, I seek his counsel, I seek his help, his directions. I always seem to, to turn to some good old standby books that kind of keep me grounded back again to where I need to be because, you see, the enemy can distract me. Can he distract you? Can he take your eyes off of God? He does me. So I need to get back to focus. The one I love to know God by more is Vinman. You can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. But there's always been one that I just love the title when I first found this years ago. Making Christianity Real. Don't you love that? See, that's, that's what it's all about. That's sanctification that Morris speaks about so much. Salvation and justification is true. It is there. It's a moment. But once you accept Christ, once you choose to serve him, once you get baptized, guess what happens now? Sanctification takes place. And the journey just begins. Every time I baptize someone, I say, buckle up, my friend, because your next week is going to be a rocky one. Because the enemy does not like the choices that you are making. He doesn't like the choices that this church is doing. But the thing is, God's in charge, isn't he? God's in charge. There's a book that I picked up last year which seemed to put it into a nutshell entitled, The Battle Belongs to the Lord. Amen? He doesn't ask us to fight the battles. He says, let me do it. I'm your father. I'm your creator. I'm the one here for you. So, we're going to start with that note by... Having you turn over on your paper the paragraph that you may see, it will also be on the screen. But this paragraph is taken from the very first chapter of this book right here. A chapter that I think just kind of hits the nail on the head when it comes to the relationship God has and desires for us. There we go. God wants, God wants. Not Fred, not Jesse, 
not Argyle, not Becky, not Brian. God wants. He is speaking to each one of us today. He's speaking in these words that we put on the screen that I am going to read because he is our father. He is our creator. And he loves us unconditionally. So he says, God wants us to be totally free from fear. I like Sean's prayer this morning, praying about we worry. We do. But that worry seems to stem from fear of not realizing that God is in control. He doesn't want us to live in torment, and he doesn't want fear to stop us from confidently doing what he tells us to do. Confidently. When I read that word, I couldn't help but think of a little statement that I have found to be so true. It's even on the back of my business card for Ministry of Healing. Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. The Savior mingled with the men as one who desired their good. He showed his sympathy for them, ministered to their needs, and won their confidence. Then he bade them follow me. The process doesn't just happen overnight when you come in contact with someone. You have to have a relationship, right? You have to be able to know somebody to be even confident in them. So Jesus' ministry took time. Jesus is asking for us, for our ministry, to take time and allow that confidence from the other person to look at maybe you and say, Jesse, I trust you. I believe in you, brother. That's confidence that he desires for us, but that confidence needs to be bestowed upon him. When we have a deep understanding concerning God's perfect, unconditional love for us, we realize we will all, he will always take care of everything that concerns us. Who takes care of us? God. All things that he will take care and concerns for us. That knowledge eventually delivers us from fear. There you go, Sean. We've got to have that knowledge and that relationship of knowing that will take that fear and that worry away. As we have experiences, as we have what? Experiences. Tangible walk the talk, experiences with God, and see that he always takes care of us and provides what we need, we begin to relax. I like that. I like that. I don't know how you process when you do your reading of the scriptures or reading of the books. I like to take whatever I'm reading and kind of make it more personal and put me into the picture as well. Because when I do that, I have found just the relationship between me and Becky has shared with me a wonderful picture of what God's love is like. My relationship between me and my two boys, I ask, Lord, <laughs> am I that way to you? 
See, if I can take something personal to look at, so I want to share with you how I take this paragraph to bring it home to me. Fred wants his sons to be totally free from fear. He doesn't want them to live in torment, and he doesn't want fear to stop them from confidently doing what he tells them to do. When they have a deep understanding concerning dad's unconditional love for them, they realize, they realize that he will always care of everything that concerns them. That knowledge eventually delivers them from fear. As Josh and Charlie have experiences, what's that word? Experiences with dad and see that he always cares for them and provides what they need, they begin to relax. Boy, that hits home with me. That's what I want for my sons. I want them to relax in life. And today, Josh and his family are relaxing because they're exhausted. But not only that, it's the relaxing, it's the peace that comes to us through Christ. But I can't provide peace for my boys. The only thing I can do is model the peace that God has given to me so they can see how it affects dad. Parents, are you hearing me? The best gift that you can give your children is to model the relationship that God wants not only for you, but for your children. Because they're going to look at you as an authoritative figure of what God's love looks like. God is calling upon us as parents to take an active part in the perceptions of our children. But it's only through experiencing Christ in my son's lives that they can have peace. Peace that only Christ can provide. So, We add peace to our poll this morning. Even though you heard me say the words that only Christ can provide, guess what normally happens when you leave the church and you go home? You try to do it yourself. You take it upon yourself to find that peace. Whatever that may be, you seem to think that you can do it yourself to get the peace that you truly desire and want. Why? Because the world is telling you, you can do it. You have it in you. Just think positive. Be a believer. The world will grant you, well... There may be a peace that you may receive, but that peace is going to be counterfeit. Why? Because it comes from the enemy. The peace that we are striving for only comes from Christ himself. John 14, 27 reads, I give you peace. 
the kind of peace that only I can give. It isn't like the peace that the world can give. So don't be a worried or afraid. As long as we focus on what God wants for us is to receive the peace that he gives to us, the world will try to distract us to take our eyes off of Christ, focus on the world, and accept their peace. Is that fair? No. Is the enemy fair? No. He'll do everything he can to destroy each and every one of us in this room. He doesn't want you to have peace. He will be irate by the time this sermon is over. So buckle up this week, folks. Unfortunately, when we look at the big picture, peace is something that has to happen. We need to surrender. Can you see over there? This is really not a very easy word to accept in our vocabulary, if I'm going to be honest with you. Surrender? Surrender? Really? We say we do it. We say we can do it. In fact, we even believe that we can do it. Unfortunately, the world that we live in, as God has been looking at a different perspective that takes our eyes off of God's surrender. Let me share with you. Surrender is an unpopular word disliked almost as much as the word submission. It implies losing, and no one, no one wants to be a loser. Have you ever felt like that? If I surrendered, I'm going to be a loser. Surrender evokes the unpleasant image of admitting defeat in a battle, forfeiting a game, or yielding to a stronger opponent. The word is almost always used in a negative context. Never positive, always negative when the world presents it to us. Captured criminals surrender to the authorities we see on the news every night. They surrendered. In today's competitive culture, we are taught to never give up and never give in. So we don't hear much about surrender. I'll fight to the death. If winning is everything, surrender is unthinkable. I'm sure that maybe there are some sitting out here who are very competitive sports or activities. You couldn't even think about the word surrender. 
We'd rather talk about winning, succeeding, overcoming, conquering, than yielding, submitting, obeying, and surrender. But listen to this, folks. Surrender to God is the heart, the heart of worship. You came here today to worship God. You want to touch his heart? Surrender. Surrender. But yet he accepts us as we are. We bring our baggage. We bring our junk in the trunk as we come into church. That's okay. That's okay. Because he loves us unconditionally and he knows each one of us is a work in progress. But surrender is so crucial. So crucial. It is the natural response to God's amazing love and mercy. We give ourselves to him not out of fear or duty. Right? Do you fear or do you feel it's, it's a dutiful thing that you have to do in order to love God? No. You do it because of love. 1 John 4, 19 says, we love because he, he first loved us. Amen? He loved you first. And he's still pursuing you like a courtship. Ask my wife how much of a pursuer I was with her. Why? Because I loved her. There are three barriers that block our total surrender to God. Fear, pride, and confusion. Fear, pride, and confusion seems to be barriers that block us. First of all, we don't realize how much God loves us. When's the last time that you have sat down to evaluate and ask yourself the question or look in the mirror and say, how much does God love me? We're supposed to count our blessings. That's always a benefit. That's always an uplift to be able to count our blessings. But let's get real. How much does God love me? Do you ever think about the times that you experienced him in those moments when he loved you? If you do, hold on to it. Bank on that because that's what you're going to go to when the storms of life hit you hard. Do not forget those moments of his love that he has for you unconditionally no matter what. Second one, we want to control our own lives. Do we have a control issue, you think? <sighs> Why is it that when something happens, we do our due diligence to correct it, to make it happen, to find the results, to solve it, and when everything seems to be done and nothing has happened, we say, okay, I guess our last resort is, let's pray to God. 
And it should have been your first thing. But no, no, we have to be in control. We have to feel like we can solve the problem. There's something about pride that stands inside of us. We, we go through life with a clipboard and agendas of what we should be doing. Right? Come on. We do. We have an agenda of what life should look like. Yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I love the Lord. Yes, I will do whatever. Well, wait a minute. Oh, yeah. Whatever he's... Oh. You know what we should do with our agendas, folks? Gone. Gone. Because our agendas are of no value. Why? Because God has a plan for us. The God of the universe, the God who created us, has a plan for us, and he's given us the opportunity to connect with him, to tap into that plan, so whatever happens, God's in charge. And so the question I ask you, can you lose? No. But then again, too, we have to look at perspectives. Does it look like sometimes that God's in control, but it doesn't look like it? I'm sorry, Darren, but I got to do it. I'm looking at this young man right here with cancer. And I see someone over there who had cancer. Those moments are hard. And you have to question yourself, is God in control? Why in the world do I have cancer? You talk to these two people, and you can understand it's all in the perspective. It's all in understanding God, because, see, God allows things to happen for our benefit. It allows hard things to happen, even though from the perspective of the world, it's for good. It's like Joseph. What you meant for bad, God turned it around for good. See, the enemy is out there in this world who had the diseases, the cancer, the problems that we have to deal with. But God can still use it, just like we know in Job. And then we misunderstand the meaning of surrender. You punch in the word surrender on the computer, and guess what you get? A whole gamut of opinions. Everybody loves to give opinions, and the computer is more than happy to do that for you. But be careful from those opinions because you got to remember we need to find out the source and the life giver. What does he want from us when it comes to surrender? If my dad were here, he'd probably say, Fred, what, what does surrender look like? What does it look like? I 
We need to be on this journey to discover what it does look like. But folks, we've been talking about even fear in our own lives, fear through the pandemic, fear for what's taking place in our country and our world. Fear keeps us from surrendering, right? Unfortunately, it does. Fear keeps us from surrendering because we're so focused on the fear that we carry. It's overwhelming. It consumes us. And we can't see past it. In counseling, it said they call it junk in the trunk. And unfortunately, some people get in the trunk with it. So therefore, they can't see beyond the problems and the junk. But love casts out all fear. Thank the Lord for that. Love casts out all fear. If I have fear with inside of me and this is God's love, what should I do? Give me a minute. I could just feel that fear going away right now. Why? Because love and the fear can't house itself together. Love will cast out the fear that is with inside of us. Love brings us back to attention of what we need to be focusing on. Romans 5 verse 8 but God shows his great love for us in this way. Christ died for us while we were still sinners. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He died 2,000 years ago. Yeah. And he knew you 2,000 years ago. He knew you from creation. And his unconditional love, he knows you personally. So why he hung on that cross, it wasn't the pain of the nails. It was the hurt inside of himself because he was paying for my sins, for your sins. He was dying for me because he loved me. He loves you. And I wasn't even born yet. I'm not that old. Offering yourself to God is what worship is all about. We come with an expectation when we come to church to experience God. So what do you bring as an offering when you come before God today? Or do you just come to receive? It's like a potluck. When people bring things, the potluck goes great. When people don't, we don't have enough food, and it gets difficult. But the thing is that God wants us to come to give of ourselves, that we could be social, that we can continue to be with our brothers and sisters. 
A.J. Tozer wrote, the reason why many are still troubled, still seeking, still making little forward progress is because they haven't yet come to the end of themselves. They're still trying to give orders and interfering with God's work within us. God's trying to help us. We're the enemy. We're not helping the cause. We think we are, but we're not helping the cause. C.S. Lewis writes, the more we let God take us over, the more truly ourselves we become. Truly, truly ourselves that we become. Because he made us, he invented all the different people that you and I were intended to be. It is when I turn to Christ, when I give up myself to his personality, that I first begin to have a real personality of my own. I become the individual that God wants me to be when I surrender. If I said it once, I have said it a hundred times to the children that I taught Bible studies with, to those that I speak to. We have to make God real, just as real as this rock in my pocket. It's real. We have to work at making Jesus as real, so therefore we cannot take him for granted. We have to experience him. We have to have a relationship with him. We have to talk with him. We have to admit our faults. The Bible, especially Psalms, is full. The Lord is my rock, Psalms 18.2 the rock of our salvation, Psalms 95.1, the rock that is higher than, all, than I, Psalm 61.2, the rock. But Fred, it's just a rock. It may be just a rock to you. But my rock pretty much goes everywhere I go except the shower. Because when time gets bad, when the world gets hard, and the enemy, see if any of you can relate, likes to slap you around. You been there? Come on, how many times has the enemy slapped you around? And your eyes just get dazed, and they go around. And you can't rationally think what's up or what's down. It's those moments. It's those. I like. I could be part of the praise team. It's those moments that reality kicks in for me. And all I got to do is reach into my pocket and say, well, you may try to beat me up, but guess what, enemy? I got the rock. I got salvation. I've already got the victory. You don't. I do. Surrender is such a crucial aspect of our journey. I have preached up here before and had a balloon. 
And I've talked to you about the balloon in the same fashion that I do now, and that is we need to surrender to God. But this morning I stand before you corrected. Why? Because we're all a work in progress. My visual that I shared with you before, it was almost as if you can come to the point of saying, okay, I need to surrender, so therefore I took the balloon, I let it go, and all the kids went, ooh, ah, as it went up into the ceiling. But the truth is, with the help from my friend Morris Vinden, I can't let go. I have to pray to God to help me let go. Get it? Makes sense. Why? I'm a sinner. (laughs) I'm carnal. I like what I have. I like the junk in the trunk. But yet God calls me and says, friend, all I'm asking you to do is surrender to me. I will take care of you. And I can look at him and say, yeah, I hear it, but. But the thing is that God does not come down in my presence and pry my fingers open. Why? He doesn't force me. I still have freedom of choice. I still have free will. So what he does is he comes down and he walks beside me. And he says, the best thing I can do for Fred is just to be there and allow him to experience me, allow him to get to know me. Because of that, surrender is not the best way to live. It is the only way to live. Nothing else works. Surrender isn't an option Luke 9, 23, Jesus said to all of them, if people want to follow me, they must give up their things that they want. They must be willing to give up their lives daily to follow me. But yet God doesn't force me to let go of my problems. It's ridiculous that I would carry my problems around with me, but I do. But ultimately, we have to come to the understanding that in order for me to surrender, I also it's almost over, sweetie. It's like a Hallmark show. It it turns out good. No kissing, but it turns out good. How can I surrender to somebody if I can't trust them? I remember going on vacations, and I'm sitting there with my camera trying to take a picture of my family and we're over in some beautiful place, and the guy says, tell you what, give me your camera, and you can get in the picture with him. 
<laughs> sure. And I did. And I got in the picture with him. You know what? I was fortunate. Because all he had to do was say, okay, folks, look over there. And he would take off with my camera. And it would serve me right. Because I don't even know the guy. I'm sure it's happened more than once. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. With all your heart you must trust the Lord and not your own judgment. Wow. Always let him lead you. And he will clear the road for you to follow. I like that picture. He will clear a way for you. This morning when I went on my walk with my dog, we went on a route, came across Bird Street, the last section to come home. And just before I got there, there was an older gentleman, older than me, walked across. And he was about maybe 15 feet in front of me as I started to go home. I had my music on and my headset, praising the Lord, being uplifted, kissels beside me. But when that gentleman got to a crossing in the streets, he would turn around and he would, well, I just kind of, and then he'd walk across. He got to the next street crossing. He turned around. And then he took off. One more street crossing. I didn't know what was going on. But I thought, you know what? Maybe God is using this man to encourage me. Keep up the good work, Fred. You're doing good, Fred. Could it be possible? Doesn't God use us to encourage others? I never met the gentleman before. But he was encouraging. And off I went and went home. But then again, too, when it comes to the part of trusting. I have to know. How can I trust a God if I don't know him? It takes time. When my wife and I were married a lot of years ago, I loved her. I thanked, I thanked the Lord for her. But boy, <laughs> I still had a lot to learn in a relationship with her. I had never done this before. I never had a book to help me. All I could draw from was my parents. 
But the fact was it was crucial for me to be able to surrender to her, to trust in her, and to know her. And in doing so, and in doing so, God grants us the peace. So folks, there you got it. No, plus trust, plus surrender, equals peace. And when we can get our hands wrapped around this, and we can sit there with our Savior and our friend, and we can hear his voice, and he can just say, Friend, please, please trust me. I love you. My fingers start to open up. And the more the surrender takes place, the more trust that I have with him, because I can go back now and think of all the times that he has been there for me. I can think of all the times that he's allowed me to know who he is. I don't have the weight of the fear and the worry anymore. It's like my aunt who talked to me when she was in the hospital, and I spoke these three here at her funeral because she said, Fred, I have finally found the peace that God wants me to have. Why? She had arthritis so bad and she broke her hip. She had no hope left except her daughter to say, Mom, you come and live with us. I'll care for you. She had a relationship with God, a good one. But as she lay there in that hospital bed, I went to see her the second day. She was just jubilant. She says, Fred, I got Peace. And fellas, why? Because I've learned to surrender because I trust him. And I know by her trust, she knew him. This is what it's all about, folks. God's not asking me to memorize scripture, which is good. He's not asking me to sit there and say the 28 fundamental beliefs will get me to heaven. No, they won't. Keeping the Sabbath won't get me to heaven. Doctrinal studies won't get me to heaven. They're beneficial. They help me understand him because knowledge gives me more information to take the fear away of knowing the attributes and the character of God. When my sons would know me as a dad, they would not be scared of me. They would have confidence in me. It's the same thing that it is with God. The more we can experience him in order to have peace, I need to surrender to God. And in surrendering God, I need to trust in God. And in trusting God, I need to know God. It's like a rock that you throw into a water. And the ripple effect will circular go out. It's a powerful effect that takes place 
Because all of a sudden, now you can step back and say, I am where he wants me to be, but yet my journey is still in the process of moving forward. I'm not there yet. No one's there yet. This journey will continue when we get to heaven. But when sanctification comes into play and the understanding of what God does, has for us today to help us on our walk, it's crucial. This is what we need on our sanctification journey to understand this so that we know, that we know that God loves us. And I'm thankful for that. As you leave today, you're going to come up against the stand that's on the way out. Please take the items that are on display because really it's all about knowing God and making him real as the rock that I carry in my pocket. Sorry, praise team, I got a mess for you. stand to join us as we finish our worship today. Searching for answers 
When my father passed away and I spoke at his funeral, I used the lyrics to this song. You're a good, good father, it's who you are. And I love like you because it's who I am. I could always sit there and say, my earthly father loved me and I was the recipient of his love. And I thank the Lord for that. But folks, each one of you are a child of God. And you today can leave here knowing that God's love is poured out upon you because he says, I love you because it's who I am. I am a recipient of God's love. Why? Because he's a good, good father. Never lose sight of that. Never let the word, the world deter you from thinking that at all. He's got the victory. He's got you in the palm of his hand. He's got a plan for you. He is the good, good father. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your presence here with us. We thank you for the spirit that moved amongst your house. May we leave here this morning better than when we came because we have experienced you. We have heard from you. So, Father, as we do this coming week, may we continue to seek your direction, your guidance to know more about you because we want to trust you. We want to know you. We want to surrender to you, but it all stems from that relationship that's sincere and transparent. Draw close to us, Father. Keep us in your care until we meet again. In your loving son's name we pray. Amen.